0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Matthew chapter number 10. And I want to talk to you if I can on things that will keep you. So I'm going to direct my remarks to all of us, but this is good, especially for our graduates. So DeAndre, I'm preaching to you tonight. And Allie, I'm preaching to you tonight. But I'm preaching to all of us and I'm preaching to myself. Matthew chapter number 10. We're going to read from verse 16. Matthew 10 and 16. And then we'll read on down through verses 22. And here the Lord gathers His disciples. He gathers the apostles, the twelve that we would call them. And He's going to send them out to minister. He, He commands them to go out. And then He comes down to verse 16. And here's what He says. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now this is an odd thing when you're getting ready to send somebody out. <laughs> and all of a sudden he starts going through all these analogies and he says, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Be wise as serpents and harmless As doves, And then He unfolds it a little bit for us in the next few verses. And He says, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for My sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what Ye shall speak, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And brother shall deliver up brother to death. And father the child and the children rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for My name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved." And then skip down, if you will, to verse number 28. He says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are able, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I want to preach, if I can, on the next few moments tonight. Things that will keep you. Things that will keep you. Amen. I've never heard that before, Brother Kendall. Life being like looking both ways and then getting hit by an airplane. that, That may be an exaggeration, I hope, but life will happen. That's what Jesus is saying. Life will happen. Tell somebody, life will happen. Amen. But He gave us some things here that will keep us. Amen. Everybody say, God bless your word. Amen. You may be seated tonight in the name of the Lord. Things that will keep you. This is an odd thing that the Lord says as He's sending them out. And he He makes these comparisons between a bunch of different animals, actually. It's quite odd. I send you forth as sheep among wolves, be harmless or be wise, rather, as serpents and harmless as doves. Sheep stink, wolves are mangy, snakes are just gross, and doves, well, if you ever hang around the park bench much, that's, it's not really the portrait that you want, but he paints this here for us, and he gives us, in in telling us these things, he's teaching us things, he's letting us know some rather eye-opening things. This is, this really seems at first to be like, don't do this, (laughs) This isn't good. You're going out on your own. And he's saying, I send you forth as sheep among wolves. Well, Lord, don't do that. Why? But, but life has to go on. I, as a parent, I, I fear the day. I don't fear the day. I dread the day a little bit, I guess, that my son will be old enough to drive. Amen? Uh, because I, I, I was a good driver, but I did almost total my car on the very first day that I got my license. I never did tell my parents that. Don't tell my parents that if next time you see them. And, and uh, man, God kept me and saved me. And wow, to give a 16-year-old a big vehicle, I mean, that's just not like... And then put them loose on the streets... I mean, some of you are just shaking your head. Isn't that crazy? I mean, isn't that absurd? Like, you know, it's just like... And, and, and you fear not only for their lives, you fear for those around them, right? I mean, also, you're like, Lord, no. This is, this is crazy. Sending your kid, I haven't done it yet. Sending your kid off to school. Leaving your child. You don't want anything bad to happen to them. But yet, you have to release them and you have to let them go. DeAndre, I can guarantee... Allison, I can guarantee that even though you're adulting now and you're going off to college, that there's still a little bit in, in 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 mama's heart that's like, oh, I hope they're all right. There's probably another part that says, man, I'm so glad that, you know, but we won't we won't focus on that part, but there's a little bit that's just, oh, those big decisions. You got you've got big decisions yet to make in your life. And I'll pick on you guys because you're the graduates tonight. I mean, you still got. Careers to establish. You've got livelihoods. You've got relationships to make. You've got uh, uh, relationships. If, if marriage is in, is in the plan, the future for you, those are big, critical decisions. Who you're going to bring alongside. Where God is going to stay in your life. Probably that is the bigger thing that I pray already now is God, w- will my child make you the center of the life? First in the life. Keep you first because... There's no no guarantee. But you can't keep them caged forever. You can't keep them on a leash. You can't keep them at the house. You have to let them go. They grow up. They become adults, whether you like it or not. I mean, if they're 35 and still in the basement, they may be a sorry excuse for an adult, but they're they're still an adult. And they're growing up. You, You want them to mature. And there's no greater thing than I can imagine than when the child does grow and they do navigate those choices and later on I can only presume and, 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 and assume what that must feel like as a parent being able to look at your children and then your grandchildren and see them maybe hit some bumps in the road but still serving God and faithful to the Lord. Wow, what a glorious thing that is. That really is the heart's prayer. They've got to grow up, and in order to get to that point, you've got to release them, and you have to let them go. They've got to make the decision on their own. Luca wants to do it by himself. You know know the routine. They grow up, I want to do this by myself. They've got to do it on their own. So the Lord looks at his 12 disciples, and he tells them, okay, look, you can hang around with me all the time, but I'm going to preach and teach, and he says, I'm going to send you out. And when I send you out, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. He grabs a spectrum for us and brings it down. To make the analogy more understandable, he picks opposite ends of the spectrum. Sheep and wolves. Sheep who are extremely vulnerable, absolutely defenseless. Their only defense is having a shepherd. The Lord says, I send you out a sheep among wolves. Wolves, (laughs) they run in packs. Or sometimes the deranged wolf, he's a lone wolf. They're they're out there, there is a dominance kind of mentality among them. They, They dominate one another, always striving for that. And they are bloodthirsty. And he contrasts that with the sheep. The sheep that only lives in community of herds. The sheep never lives on its own. It never goes off. It stays around. It's comforted by others. It's living in, in folds. It's living in flocks. It's living in herds. Absolutely defenseless. And God says, Jesus says, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Preached about it a little bit this morning. In the way of the world, this is really the portrait. This is where we are living today. And I want to make note of this. I mentioned it just a moment ago, but make note of this, that sheep are absolutely defenseless except they have a shepherd. God never intended, even though He sends us out, even though we grow up, even though He places us here on this earth, He never intends for us to live without Him as the great shepherd in our life. Without the Lord in our life, we are defenseless. We are vulnerable. We are susceptible to attack. That's why, Brother Kendall, that was a great great word right there. Keep the Lord first. Love the one true God with all of your heart because without Him this thing does not work. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Yes, that's what the world's like. Blood, thirsty, lusting for life. They feed on Life. They feed on the innocent, this dominant culture. And they come together in packs, trying to intimidate and tear down. So be careful! He says, be wise as serpents. My mother-in-law hates snakes. I couldn't even preach about snakes with her being here. She can't stand them. It Give her bad dreams at night. Snakes are not something to be emulated. But yet Christ here says... Be wise as a serpent. The, the, the contrast here from the word is, is to be shrewd, but but the shrewdness here is different from that of Genesis chapter 3, where the serpent comes and he beguiles Eve. Here he's talking about a sanctified shrewdness, if you will. He's talking about a wisdom and a, an alertness and awareness of your surroundings. A serpent is very aware of its surroundings, always careful. It doesn't just meander out, it slithers along the side, it hides, it coils, it always keeps itself. In position to retract or to attack as necessary. It is always, it is always aware of the moment and what's around them. And the Lord tells us, be wise as serpents. When you go out in this world, don't check your brain, don't turn it off, but be alert, be aware that there are things that are warring for your soul. Be wise. Be alert of your surroundings. Know what's going wrong, what what's going on around you. As a as a born again believer in 2019, can I tell you, now more than ever before in in the West in America in our generation, we cannot afford, amen, just to assume that every Everything's going to be all right. We've got to take care. Wisdom in life. Wherever you're at, especially going among others in, 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 in college, in career, in relationships, in life. You've got to be alert of what is around you. Parents, we don't, we don't just give our kids a, a, a phone. You ought not just give your kids a phone and lock them in the room for hours and assume that everything's going to be All right. I didn't get a lot of amens there. I wasn't looking for amens, but that's a good place in your spirit to say amen because this is what the Lord was saying. Be wise as serpents. Be aware. Be aware of what's trying to enter into your home. I don't know if you prayed this prayer, but I pray the prayer, God, cover my home. My home is consisted of individuals, and I pray, God, cover our marriage and cover our family and guard. But actual, my physical property, I, I go into my home, in my house, and I pray over my house. Make this a sanctuary. God, I, I live on a corner. Everybody that goes to school in Swansea comes by my house. They drive by my house. Lord, there's all kinds of people walking there. I don't know what they've got, I don't know what they're doing. Amen. And so, God, I pray let the angel of the Lord encamp round about me. Let there be something that when people come, they encounter the peace of God as they walk down the front sidewalk. You may think I'm crazy, but I am praying, God, be careful. I, I want to be. careful and aware of what kind of things try to enter into my home I don't want any evil spirit coming through the threshold I don't want there to be anything that's hanging around and I have to also be alert and aware of what I bring into my house because it's not just enough to pray that prayer I've got to be careful I've got to note inventory of what I'm bringing in whether physically or virtually or digitally God cover my home you ought to be wise as serpents and then he said be harmless or as innocent as doves be harmless as doves be harmless as doves don't don't be uh, don't be caught caught up being on the wrong side of something you, you never hear about doves in the news they they're just doves they just they just do their own thing they're, they're not you hear about wolves in the news you hear about you. You hear about panthers. Did anybody see that? Was it was it just two weeks ago in the city of Des Moines, Iowa? I mean, that's a city of like six hundred thousand people. Somebody caught on their home security camera. Did you guys see that? A mountain lion walking down by, between the car and the house. A mountain lion. That's crazy. Like there's, you know, there's mountain lions out there, right? Like there could be like. Now coyotes, I see coyotes all the time. But But you never hear about doves. Harmless as doves. They don't get involved in those things. They they keep themselves from the things. There's an innocence there. Can I tell you, God has given us confidence that you can live in a defiled, sin-sick world and yet retain your innocence. That doesn't mean you're ignorant of things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about innocence. Innocence. Yes, I'm not ignorant of things. I understand that there's gross, vile things that go on. But God, help me to be harmless as a dove. If I have an innocence in my heart, it's going to be a lot harder for me to harm somebody else. And so here's the things that Christ gives us. And then he unfolds that a little bit. He unfolds it for us. And so four things that I see that I'll pull out of this chapter that he unfolds for us in this verse. Number one, he says, first of all, we're not sheep and wolves and and, and serpents and doves. We're as those things, he says. So here's how it breaks down. He says, number one, beware of men. Allie? (laughs) Beware of men. Be aware of men. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. They, you shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony unto them and the Gentiles. I find it interesting because Paul says this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but Jesus says beware of men. We don't fight human beings, but... The spiritual warfare is played out in the realm of people and individuals. Beware of men, because it's men that are going to betray you. It's men that are going to let you down. It's men that are going to persecute you for my name's sake. Be careful. Beware. That's why he preaches so hard later on in the New Testament. Paul would admonish us, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Beware. Beware of people who have not entered into covenant with God, who do not have, a, have an understanding and a relationship with God, who do not just have a simple faith in God, because sinners, as I said this morning, sinners will do sinful things. They're on a different track. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death. And so beware, lest you get pulled into that, sucked into that, because you are sheep. You are sheep. You have a shepherd. Listen to His voice. Beware of men. There will be people in life. <laughs> if, if whoever said that statement, they probably went through a hard things. If they, if they said an airplane comes out and hits you when you walk into the road, I guarantee you if you go back in their life, that airplane would have a face and it would have a name. Because you're not hurt by things and material things, but it is people that will hurt you. It's life. It is a reality that you're going to have, and the Lord warns them of that. Beware. Be careful. Be careful of those things in your life. Keep yourself. Amen. It's going to take a lot of grace in life. Amen. Life takes a lot of grace. That's life. Number two, he says this He says, when they bring you before them and you have to testify, he says, don't even think about what you're going to say. He said, because it will be given you in that moment what to say. And He said, it will be given how? For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, for it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. So by this I can say the second thing that is so critical that you must have is that you must be filled with the Spirit of God in your life. Amen. The way this thing works is, number one, He's got to be your shepherd. (laughs) But then you've got to be filled with the Spirit. If you're going to be able to give an answer at any moment, at any time, at any place, if you're going to be able to have a, a, a relevant answer in the hour of need, you've got to have the Spirit of God inside of your life. That's why it's the greatest thing that we could endeavor to see is our children and our young people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ after they repented at an altar for their sins and then filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost as spoken about in the book of Acts evidenced by speaking in other tongues. It's the greatest thing that could happen in their life. You know why? Because if you're living for God just because it's what dad said or it's what mom said or it's what auntie said or what grandpa said or grandma said, there's going to come a moment in life where life's going to hit you. But if you've been to an altar on your own, and you've given your life to God in covenant and, and and you've walked into the waters of baptism, and you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and then you've been filled with the baptism of His Spirit. When they were filled with the Spirit of the Lord in Acts chapter 2, it was, it, was not, it was not just a one-time thing. Amen. But every time they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, it was accompanied with a supernatural sign. Jesus said this. He said, you're going to hear them that are born of the Spirit. And that was fulfilled. On Acts chapter 2, when they were all filled with the Spirit, the Bible says they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were praying and they knew, hey, I'm speaking in a language that I don't know. But it wasn't me doing it, it was the Spirit doing it. Now I'm going to tell you, if that happens, nobody can come and tell you that was the Holy Ghost. You're going to know. If that happens, nobody can come and tell you that wasn't real. You're going to know. And can I tell you, life is going to have moments that are so tough that you've got to know for yourself, not just what the preacher said, not just what the pastor prayed. but I've got to know for myself that this thing is real. And I'm going to tell you, I've gone back. I've gone back, Brother Duff, to altars in my life where I could where I even me, who's, sometimes people think, man, you know, Pastors, preachers have no problems. Can I tell you, there's been points of honesty in my life where they've been so low, I've thought, God, am I even doing the right thing in life? Am I, have I even done, have I even obeyed your voice? Have I even, because you get to a point in a season and I go back, no, nope. I remember going back, Sister Grayhouse, and I'll go back to those altars and say, no, I know what the Lord spoke to me that night at that altar. I know what God gave me in that moment. We knelt down and we prayed. I know what God said. You've got to have that in your life. And if you have that in your life, I'm going to tell you, there's a confidence that says, I can go forward because it doesn't matter what happens in the moment that I need it. The spirit of the Lord's there. I'm going to tell you, that's what the Holy Ghost can do for you. Right there, you go down, you kneel, and you pray, and God, if I need joy, amen, you know what I need? Amen. I get down, kneel. If I pray in the Holy Ghost, amen, there is something that comes over that God gives that, so you've got to be filled with the Spirit. And then number three, number three, you can't quit. He said this, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. i to tell you, it's not good enough just to live for God for 10 years. It's not good enough just to live for God for 20 years and then quit. You've got to endure to the end. It's alright if you only live for God for 6 months if it's the last 6 months of your life. Now it's better when you give God the fullness of your life. But don't do the opposite. Don't live for God for the fullness of your life. And then somewhere along the line, Just say, oh, I don't need this, and walk away. No, he that endureth to the end. We're raising raising a culture and a society that lacks endurance, that lacks tenacity, that lacks stamina. I preached about it last Sunday morning. The Bible says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree and shall grow like the cedars in Lebanon. There's a tenacity that comes from the cedar tree. That word Lebanon, the Hebrew word Lebanon or or whatever they translate, it literally means white mountain because that's the area that gets the winter, that gets the snow. He's not saying that the righteous won't go through hard seasons. He's saying the opposite. Yes, you will go through hard seasons, but you will grow like the cedar in Lebanon. You will endure. You're going to stick through it. You know, in the Old Testament, and just let me say this, you got to endure. Since I'm preaching DeAndre tonight and Allison, amen, I'll just, I'll just say this. Stay in the church. Stay in the church. Get plugged into the church. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. In the Old Testament, the, the children of God, the Israelites, you go back to it. I think it might have been in the time of Judges or maybe it was, it was early on at some period. I'd have to go back to look this up. I, I've got it in my devotions notes. But there was a season where Israel... When they were victorious and they were winning, there was all of these people. There were parts of Israelites that would come over and come over here, brother Kendall. Help me out. And and, and if they're winning, there was these people that would run up, that would run up here. They would run up, and they'd say, "I'm on your side." I'm on your side. You Got to act real happy about it. All right. And then they would go through a hard spell. And a hard season, famine times would come. Times would get rough. Guess what they'd do? I'm on your side. No. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's not what they would do. That's what they should have done. The Bible says that when it got rough, they'd run away. And they say, no, I'm not an Israelite again. I'm not an Israelite. Oh, I'm not, you know, those people, oh, they just... And then all of a sudden the Israelites would be doing good, and they'd be, they'd be winning again, And guess what? Here they come. Here they come. I'm on your side. He's a quick learner. <laughs> and you know what? I've seen people in the church like that. When it's going good and everything's great and we're having a revival, yeah. whoo, people show up. Hey, I'm on your side. Hey, pastor, that's great. I'm here. But all of a sudden, everything's going to have its seasons. Life's going to happen. And it gets a little bit rough. And then all of a sudden, you call. And then all of a sudden, revival comes back. And guess what? Hey, yeah, yeah. Here they are. They're, they're ready to fight on your side. Thank you, Brother Kendall. And you know what the Bible says in the Old Testament? Come on, everybody, Scotty, you can help me out. Come on. They come on and they help you out. And, and the Bible says that when they were there, the children of Israel rejoiced with them. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're a part, as we ought to do. But they also learn when times get tough, run. you run. Can't count on it. He's a quick learner right there. Thank you, Brother Scotty. Give him a great big hand. You can be seated. Thank you. Good job. What I'm saying, what I'm saying to you DeAndre, what I'm saying to you Allison, what I'm preaching to the church is you got to endure. You got to stick in there. You got to be somebody that God can count on. And you say, "Hey, I'm here. Seasons may be tough, but I'm here." Because he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And there's a blessing that comes to those. I'm going to say every every person that's has lived for God for any amount of decades in this in this place here tonight, has gone through seasons. You've had ups and you've had lows. You've had hard times. You've had times where you thought, man, everybody else is running. Man, wouldn't that be easy? But you can't. Because you got to keep on sticking it out. we got to have endurance. we got to have endurance. you got to have endurance. you got to have endurance in relationships. Marriage is not for the faint of heart. Pa- parenting is not for the faint of heart. Life is not for the faint of heart. And here Jesus says, you've got to endure. Being a Christian... In 2019 and beyond, I believe we're gonna see a day where it's not for the faint of heart. And this, this passage will evermore be relevant to us. And he leaves us with this fourth thing, and I'm coming to a close. The fourth thing's found in verse 28, and he says this And fear not them which can kill the body, but are not able to destroy the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He admonishes them. He said, I'm sending you out, but don't be afraid of those that can hurt you physically, but can't touch your spirit, and can't touch your soul. Don't be, don't be afraid of them. Don't, don't be influenced by them. I'm going to tell you, we ought not be worried. We ought not be worried about how much the, the secular world around us is hitting the like buttons on our life. Don't fear them, which, which can destroy the body. Yeah, they, they, they may be able to hurt me physically. They may be able to do th- something. They may be able to marginalize me, he says, but fear God, fear Him, which is able to destroy both soul and body. Fear, he's talking about that godly fear. There's got to be a reverence there that you have for the Lord. There ought to be a reverence you ought to hold in highest regard the love for the Lord. There ought to be an awe that you have for God. There ought to be, even if you can, a trembling with a severe respect. The, the, the lion tamer that doesn't just walk into the cage without respecting that lion. He may tame him. God is not a lion to be tamed, but He is a God that has told us that He would not hurt us, but yet we we would not go to the God who has all power in heaven and earth. Amen. And we ought not mock Him, and we ought not chide Him, we ought not tempt Him. Fear God. Fear God. Don't fear man, fear God. Be careful when you're living your life. If you are living a life, if you are are tempting God, if you are daring God to do something, be careful. Be wary. Fear God. He can destroy not only your body, but your soul. He's the one who holds the power of life in His hand. There ought to be a reverence. There ought to be a respect for God. Amen. I think we ought to have respect for God. We ought to respect for the presence of God. We ought to have a respect for the things of God. We don't just discard it. I, I know the Word of God is living, and it's not confined to material pages. But even, even me, I have a hard time, amen, with my Bible, if setting something else in my Bible. Sometimes things will get stacked on my Bible, or I'll stack my Bible. But sometimes, you know, you got to pull your Bible out, and i just got to set it on top because... It's, it's just the Word of God. I mean, I, mean, I know there's nothing sinful, amen, that, but it's the Word of God. There's a reverence there. There's got to be a respect for the things of God in your life. As, I, as they come to the music, I, I want to say this. I, I read a story that I feel like put it in perspective for me. And I'll leave you tonight with this story. I love history, and so I was reading a history book Michael Zuckoff, he's an interesting, uh, uh, w- a great author, and I, I enjoy a lot of his books. He wrote a book entitled Frozen in Time. And the story is about a 1942 cargo plane that goes down in World War II in uh, the Greenland ice cap. They were, they were shipping goods and cargo over to uh, Europe, and of course the quickest way to fly is not around as we're looking on a map. It's not, we would draw a line, but the quickest, shortest distance is to fly up and over. So if you ever fly to Europe, you'll see the northern parts of Canada, and you'll see Greenland, and you'll fly over that way. And they were shipping cargo over there, and they hit a snowstorm, and the cargo ship went down. The cargo plane went down. And so they, they launched a mission to go rescue the men in the cargo ship. And the mission, uh, it was a B-17. It was the National Guard. It was a B-17. It had... The uh, uh, oh my uh, the feet on it that f- it was a float plane, and it was able to, to land uh, somehow up there. It was it was, was going to be suited for that, and so two men go out and they spent days searching for. They spent days searching for the cargo ship. They uh, uh, they finally found it, its location, and they would fly in. And they were dropping supplies to the cargo ship. They dropped food and they dropped other things. The cargo ship had split and a massive part of it had fallen off into one of those deep crevasses. And those crevasses were massive. They were so deep. If you fell, they couldn't see the bottom. Part of it had fallen off. So they were living in the back of the cargo ship. They had makeshift, built a little shed there. and They were dropping supplies. And the B-17 that was sending in supplies goes in to help them, and actually it gets in a storm, and it goes down. And they had to send other planes. They, they, they finally were able to rescue the men. It's a fascinating story. They were able to rescue the men from the cargo ships, some of them, that survived. And in 2012, they led an expedition, to go and they located where the B-17 went down and those two pilots were in that plane. They were buried underneath at that time from 1942 to 2012. They were buried under 30 some feet of ice. But Through new modern technology they were to find them. They actually dug them out of the ice and they brought the bodies back and gave them a proper burial making the National Guard the only branch of the armed forces that has never left a man on foreign soil that's not brought him back. It was quite a phenomenal feat. But in all of that and the chaos to rescue the men of the cargo ship, they finally, through all modern technology, it was finally through bobsled, it was finally through sled dogs, that they were able to rescue them. And those men were out there, and when they would go rescue them, they lost... So many snowmobiles in the crevasses because as those crevasses are massive cracks in the glacier there, the snow would blow over and create these little bridges. So the crevasse may only be 10 feet wide at the top. And the men would walk across what they thought was a bridge that would give way under their weight. They'd lose their lives. One man fell and miraculously he lands on a ledge they were able to drop a rope and rescue him, and he lived to tell the story about it. But they learned that the only way they were going to survive this territory was they said, we need rope, drop rope. They dropped rope, they brought rope, and they would tie themselves off. They had to go out and, to survive. They had to venture out sometimes to get the supplies. The supplies would be dropped. They could see them, but they couldn't get to them. And the only way to stay alive was they had to tie themselves off. They would tie themselves off 10 or 15 feet, and then that person would be tied to another, and then that person tied to another, so that when they would walk, they were all tied to one another. And then somebody would say, okay, I'm going to try this, this snow bridge here. And if they fell, they were tied and held up. And they learned that's how they had to survive. They said it was the only way that we could make it was tying ourselves off. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to make it in your walk with God, you can't just walk out there isolated and say, I can do this on my own. No. You've got to anchor yourself to some great things. You've got to anchor yourself to some things in life. That's why you need a church. That's why we need the body of Christ in our life. Because what fellowship does is it, it spreads a network of connection here that, hey, when I'm not, when, I, when I'm MIA, when I'm missing in action, somebody says, hey, I've been missing you. Where are you at? What do you need? Well, I slipped. Well, I fell. Well, come on, let, let's, let's come back. Let, let, come on back with me. Come on. Let, let's get back to where we need to be. You've got to tie yourself off. You've got to, you've got to anchor yourself to, to the Word of God that can pick you back up because I guarantee you there's going to be times where you're going to slip and times where you're going to fall. What you're tied to matters. Makes a difference. Who you're tied to matters and it makes a difference.